Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And God says that can be an act of worship, and that's why we put it in there. And a tithe for the New Testament believer should just be the default, a tenth. You don't have to give a tenth. You don't have to give anything. But here's the thing. As a believer, I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. And as a result of that, I naturally want to give. I want to give to my local fellowship. I want to give in whatever way. And to me, as a believer, 10% is just the beginning. Because God loves a gracious giver. He likes a hilarious giver. So give. I'm not going to, you know, there's some people on TV who will beg. I'm not going to say that. You worship God how you want to worship Him. Today, God explains his tithing principles to the nation of Israel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. In our final walkthrough of chapter 14 of the book of Deuteronomy, our lesson points to how God specifically instructed the nation of Israel regarding how they were to worship him with certain foods they eat and sacrifice with. God also counted it as worship when his children shared with others. When we tithe, it is an act of worship to our God. As followers of Jesus Christ and New Testament believers, we no longer have to follow the restrictions of food consumption. But may our giving and service come from our grateful heart as an act of worship to our King. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Chapter 23. It says this, The first of the, in, of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And this has been uh, one of those verses that has been famous in the, in the Bible. And partly the reason that this is um, there is because the Canaanites, this is part of their pagan ritual. They would actually boil a goat in its mother's milk as part of a rite a religious rite that they would do. And so God says, don't do that, for the milk is supposed to give life, and why are you going to take what is supposed to be given in life and then now bring death into the picture? A young goat should be with its mother. It shouldn't be boiled in its mother's milk, right? And even to this day, if you go to Israel, they won't have milk or butter on the same table with meat. That happens. I've been there. I've seen it firsthand. You go to any place in Israel, you'll never see a piece of steak or, or meat and bread or, or butter and milk on the same table. You won't see it. You just have to deal with it, right? But I'm an American, so what? <laughs> right? So they got this from their pagan worship. But what about the church? What about dietary prohibitions for the church? You know, when we look at Acts chapter 10, you know, many have taken Acts chapter 10 when Peter was on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house and the vision of the, of the, the sheet coming down with all these four-footed beasts and creatures came down and, and, and God saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And it, this happened three times, right? And finally, Peter says, not so. I won't eat anything unclean. And then it just so happened that three men 
from Cornelius's house were there to escort Peter back to Cornelius's house in Caesarea there. And Peter, when he got there, he says, God has shown me that what um, that I should not call unclean what God has called clean. And he was speaking about the men, about the Gentiles. It had nothing to do with really about food. Although it is true that the, the Gentiles, the church, we, we don't have these kind of dietary restrictions placed on us like the Jews did. But that passage is speaking about Gentiles being in part, part of the church. But later on in Matthew... Jesus said this in Matthew 15, he says, When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand that not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. So it's not so much about what you're eating that's defiling, it's your own rotten heart, what's coming out of your heart. From out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what defiles a man. And Jesus would go on and say, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. And the list goes, he goes, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, and other things. Verse 20, These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. It doesn't defile a man. And even in the Jerusalem council, after the day of Pentecost had occurred, in Acts chapter 15, there was a, a dispute about the, the, this, the church going out now, Peter and James and, and, and Paul and, and Barnabas going out and then, and then, and then coming back. And there, there were always people on them about, you need to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. And, and they finally, the elders, James, the Lord's brother, half-brother, and they, they all got together, and they had a, a meeting, basically. And notice what they said. And so they wrote this letter by them. It says, The apostles and the elders and the brethren, to the brethren who are the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good for us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us, here it is, to lay on you no greater burden than these necessary things. So he lays out just a handful of things. Did he bring out all the dietary restrictions? You can't have muzzles. You can't have, put that shrimp down. Take that lobster out of your mouth. What are you doing steaming those clams? What's the matter with you? No, there's none of that. He says, these things. Abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you do well. Farewell. (laughs) Did he list all the other things? No. So we can, as Gentiles, we can eat those things. Obviously, it's good for us to do it in moderation because we we now know through medical advances these kinds of things, why God chose clean and unclean things. And I believe that God had given those things because of the diet. At the very least, the diet of these animals. I mean, you you look at the list that we read, and you find which ones are eating animals and which ones are eating plants and herbivores. He says, these are the clean ones. The fish that are swimming, fins and scales, okay to eat those, but those bottom feeders, those bottom dwellers, stay away from those. It makes sense, doesn't it? God separating his people. And obviously, it's an act of the will of obedience, right? Well, I don't like that. I'm going to do it anyway right? 
And so, you know, God told his people to, to obey him. And it's a simple obedience. It's not like they were being deprived of anything good. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 4, it says, For every creature is good for the church, right? For every creature is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So we can eat whatever we want. Obviously, we do well to be careful and eat things in moderation. I remember when I was a teenager, and I lived on, I grew up on an island, literally Pine Island. It was down in southwest Florida. You can look on a map, and it's on the south, uh, southwest Florida, right on the intercoastal waterway on the Gulf of Mexico. And it's about a, uh, an island. It's about 14 miles long. And I grew up in the northern part of that island in a place called Boquilia. And most of my young life was running around without any shoes, uh, in Indian burial mounds all around, snakes, coral snakes, rattlesnakes, sharks, barracudas, crocodiles, alligators. I'm not kidding. All of these things were in my area. And did I care? No, I was invincible. I was immortal. And uh, <laughs> at least I thought I was. But ate seafood all the time. I mean, I was eating pounds, a pound of shrimp at one time every other day or so. And I went through a growth spurt like you would not believe at that time. And I just, I probably looked pink because of all the shrimp that I was eating. I mean, I really didn't look pink, but, I, I, you know, so you got to, the, the bottom line here, moderation, moderation. <laughs> so we go on and we finish this area. We'll just get through this rather quickly, hopefully. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And the idea of a tithe is a tenth. We know that from uh, the book of, of Genesis. We see that. And um, we know that there are a couple of verses uh, in the Old Testament, in Genesis specifically. Uh, you can just write these down and you can take a look at these later, but I'll just read one to you. You know, remember when uh, Jacob... Actually, let me read another one to you. I'm sorry. In Genesis 14, when Abraham uh, rescued his nephew Lot from Chedorlaomer and those five kings who took the people of Sodom captive, and Abraham, remember, delivered and went up into the area of Dan in the northern part of the country and delivered all those people. He came back, and, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, of Jerusalem, literally, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him a tithe of all. It's the first reference in the Bible where we hear about a tithe. He gave him a tenth of all the spoil. He gave him a tenth. He gave him a tithe. And the idea is a tenth of your increase. And so God is telling the children of Israel that they should give a tenth of their increase. Verse 23, And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herd and of your flocks. Why? That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Because if he has given you this blessing, it's important that we give back, right? And not of thanksgiving for what God has given to us. We always give back. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? To whom much is given, much is required. So when God blesses you, when we turn around and we give a portion of that out, whether it's to uh, tithing to a church so that we can continue doing the things we're doing here, or tithing or giving to someone else, to another organization, or to bless somebody else, that's a good thing because it keeps, keeps a light touch on these things. And you're very thankful, and you're, you're giving, and that's a, a good 
vehicle for showing thanks, to not only take it and consume it on yourself, but to give to others. Verse 24, But if the journey is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money and take the money in your hand and then go to the place which the Lord God chooses. And where is that? Where is it? Jerusalem, right? That's where he's going to place his name. It's going to be in Jerusalem, right? And you shall... And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not forsake the Levite who is in your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. And the end, And at the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates, because God cares about those who are less fortunate, the, the, the widows and the, the foreigner, the stranger, the fatherless. He wants to care for those people. And this is a way of you, in a very practical way, to minister to those people. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, verse 29, and the stranger, the fatherless, the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work which your hand will do. You know, and this is what they would do. And there's a lot to this, honestly. We could spend a whole evening on this, but we don't need to for now. But the idea is that to tithe that, that food and, and, to, um, and to eat it before the Lord, to enjoy it before the Lord and to give some to others. And that was the idea behind this. And when we think about tithing, even in the church, you know, we do that and it's not compulsory. We don't force anybody to give, but we do it as an act of worship. That's why we do it right in the center of our worship and song. So we don't disassociate worship from giving because our giving is worship. And sometimes I believe that's the harder of every form of worship we do. I can come in, and even though I may not feel it, I can spit out a few words <laughs> if, if my heart is not in the right place. I can still, you know, open my mouth. But for some reason, giving of our finances, that is the hardest thing for us. And God says that can be an act of worship, and that's why we put it in there. And a tithe for the New Testament believer should just be the default, a tenth. You don't have to give a tenth. You don't have to give anything. But here's the thing. As a believer, I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. And as a result of that, I naturally want to give. I want to give to my local fellowship. I want to give in whatever way. And to me, as a believer, 10% is just the beginning because God loves a gracious giver. He likes a hilarious giver. So give. I'm not going to, you know, there's some people on TV who will beg. I'm not going to say that. You worship God how you want to worship him. You know, some people will give. They give what they can. I love this one lady. She sends in a, uh, and it's a sweet, sweet thing. And I know God's going to bless her for it. Every week she sends in an envelope because I usually get the mail. Sometimes Pastor David gets it too, but I usually get it on a certain day and I see her letter and I open it up and there's a check in there. It's a small amount, but she does it faithfully and that's probably all she can really do. And you know, God's going to bless her for that. He's going to bless her. So it's not about the amount, it's about the heart in it, right? And so I want to exceed what is nominal, the default, right? I want to give more than that, right? And so that's just me. You don't have to do anything because honestly, the Lord doesn't need our money in the sense that he'd rather have your heart. He'd rather have your devotion, your affection. He wants you. He could care 
less about the money. It would be better if this church was packed out and just a little bit was coming in rather than everybody feeling like they have to give something. We don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. That's the way it always has to be. That's why you never hear us harping on money. When it comes up in the Scripture, we've got to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. I don't like talking about it. Pastor Jeff neither, neither did either. I don't like talking about it. And you know what? Honestly, we've never really had any big issues because you guys have been fantastic givers. You give unto the Lord. But the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. You can read these other two passages that I have up here, but let's just close in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is in the Old Testament, the very last book of the Old Testament. And I believe this was written, obviously, for the Jews, but I think the, 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 the concept behind it is very biblical for us, too. It's sort of like that verse in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land, etc. That was given to the Jews first, right? But the concept is biblical, and it's true for us as well, right? If that's true of us, too, because if we humble ourselves and, and turn from our wicked ways, isn't God going to bless this nation again if we do that? Yes, he will. Notice in Malachi chapter 3, we're going to end here. He says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouses, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, God says, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I love how these false teachers on the television say, Well, if you just give, you know, if you give a thousand dollar seed money, you can you can receive that back in this life. Next week you're gonna get it in sevenfold exponentially, and they'll go on in this nonsense, right? Like if you do this, God's somehow, oh okay, I'm gonna give you the money back with sevenfold because it's a perfect number. No, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> you give as if you'll never see it again. You'll never, you give it without even expecting to be repaid. God loves a heart like that. And you watch him bless you. You watch him. He says, test me, see if I will do it. That there will not be enough room to receive it. In his time and in his way, it could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be both. It's up to him. It not, has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with me. It's just what his word says, right? So take him at his word and see what he does, how he blesses your life. But you do it in faith. You don't do it out of compulsion. You don't do it out of guilt. You don't do it out of expecting to, you know, that God, you have to do this now. I'm giving $1,000 this week, but I'd better get 10000 next week or I'm not giving to you again, right? I can almost hear the Holy Spirit saying, keep your money. <laughs> keep your money. Wasn't he that way with Ananias and Sapphira? He didn't, God didn't put them to death on the spot because they had sold property and, and, and kept the money. They could have kept the money. Peter even told them that. While the land it was yours when you had it, but why are you lying? What they, what they did was is they were saying that they were giving it all, but they really were keeping back some, but making, giving the appearance that they had given all. Look at me. I'm so great. I'm so mag. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, want, you want my autograph? Sure. You know, I can touch you. You want to kiss the ring? Can, I, I just washed it today. You can kiss the ring because, you know, I'm so holy right? <laughs> he says, that's the reason. You guys wanted all the prestige. You wanted to be noticed by the church, and yet in your heart, you were feigning to give all, but you only kept back a part of it, but you were lying 
That's what got them into trouble. They could have given half of it. They could have given a quarter of it and says, you know what? We sold this land. We're giving a quarter to the fellowship and the other we're going to use for retirement. God would have said, that's fine. You don't have to give any of it. But don't say you're going to give all of it and make a big deal out of it for the show and then really be holding back some of it because you're lying, right? And God purified that whole thing right there on the spot. He said, can't have that. But he says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Delightful because they gave out of a right heart. They gave because of they were responding to God in simplicity and in worship. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. So the, the rule of thumb is here, the, you, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. And when we do give, do it just out of worship, out of love for him. And I've noticed that in my own life. I've never given something and then re- later regretted it. God is always, you, you'll never, he'll never be indebted to you. You know, he'll never say, well, because you gave that, I got to do all this stuff, you know. He's like, no, I'm going to pour out my blessing on your life because your heart is right, because you're giving out of a right heart. That's the way I want to be. Do you want to be that way too? And it doesn't matter what you do. Just whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and do it heartily as unto the Lord. And he will turn that back in his time, in his way, in his own desire But never do anything out of guilt. Never do anything out of compulsion. Do it because you want to please the Lord. It's really that simple. Because the Lord loves us, doesn't he? So be encouraged. You know, there's a lot about this this section, but we're just going to cruise on by it for now. But I think we got the idea, right? So let's stand. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time, and uh, Lord, make us cheerful givers, and whatever we choose to give, Lord, whether it's of our time, Lord, uh, tithing our time, if we don't have money, Father, you don't, you're, you're not upset, you don't, you're not concerned about all this, Father. People can be, but you're not, and so, Lord, help us not to be. But, Lord, if we can tithe our time, then help us to do that. If we can tithe financially, let's do that. If we can tithe our uh, helping someone else out in need, Father, help us to do that. Help us to look for those who are less fortunate, those who are struggling. And, and Lord, if you lead us to, to give to them, to bless them, to help them in certain ways, at certain areas in our life, Lord, help us to be about that. But, Lord, help us to do it not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, but, Lord, out of love for you, Lord. So have your way with us tonight, Lord. And, and we thank you, Lord, just for these, these simple things, Lord. You want the best for your people, Lord, for the, for the Jews and for us. You want the very best, Lord. And at least in my understanding, Lord, you've shown me what, you know, these, these things. And I think you've revealed it to us tonight. At least perhaps one reason why you might have chosen for your people that ye have a certain diet over others. But Lord, help us never to get hung up on these things and just to realize that you care, you love us.
So have your way with us tonight, Lord. Get us home safely and refresh us tomorrow, we ask it in Jesus' name. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.